Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! The best there is, best there was, and the best there ever will be! And you know it! With a tear in my eye! The king is back, baby! Acknowledge me! Fresh off our trip to the Windy City. It's episode 309 of Top Rope Nation. We're back in town. The boys are back in town to talk a little pro wrestling. All of us are here. It's Ryan Drosty. It's Jesse Velasquez. Justin Joint. Here to talk a little bit of everything. I think we're going to get into AEW. We're going to get into WWE. All the hot topics in the news. Talk about our experience in Chicago this past weekend. Justin Joint, how are you doing tonight? Happy. Big Gunther Day, everybody! <laughs> I walked outside this morning and the grass was greener, the air smelled fresher, and the sun felt warmer. Probably global warming, but but still the sentiment counts. <laughs> our, our long national nightmare is finally over. Oh, man. Honky Tonk Man no more. He has been surpassed. By Gunther, the now longest reigning WWE slash F IC champion of all time. Justin Joint, you have been in a great mood all day because of this. It's one of the first things you put in the Facebook group today. Yeah, I mean, what's not to like about it? Unless you're a honky talk man, in which case you're weird. <laughs> what about you, Jesse? How are you doing? Life's okay. Microphone absolutely shit the bed before we started. So here's what I'm going to say about that. Chin up. Tits out. And watch for the shoe. <laughs> I like it. Did you just throw your microphone? No, that was actually my son's shoe. Oh, I thought that was your microphone. This microphone. Oh man, yeah, it has. Uh, it's been a whirlwind week, guys. We were all together in Chicago just a couple of days ago, and we're all back in Iowa and Minnesota now. But we had a blast attending Collision, attending All Out. I think uh, I, it's fair to say for all of us that our expectations for All Out were definitely exceeded, Justin. Yeah, I, that that's putting it mildly, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I was not on the preview show last Thursday with you two. I was mixing our classics show, the latest one, which just dropped in SummerSlam 98. Check out the Patreon page if you want to listen to that. It's really good. Two and a half hours. Uh, but I did listen into the podcast you guys did. And, you know, I had the same criticisms that you guys did going in. And I think the criticisms were correct in the build. But, you know, I think you guys also said, and, you know, the idea always is that AEW delivers once you get to the show. And Jesse, that show definitely delivered. Over delivered, <laughs> to say the least. That is for sure. Justin. I just want to get this out of the way now because I know 
there's a certain early segment that apparently someone is a fan of that we need to get to. But oh, since, I since was going to transition to it, yeah. Since we're on the subject now, I'm just going to say, you know, I kind of had two big takeaways from All Out, and I'm going to save one and, and just talk about one of them now because we're basically already talking about them. That is just the discourse about uh, how people frame these pay-per-views. And it's like, I think a lot of us were rightfully critical of the build to all out. And we were rightfully critical of the card basically up until Danielson showed up at collision. And then, you know, the night of all out the next day, you see a bunch of, you know, kind of AEW tribalists or AEW wrestlers chiming in on Twitter being like, we, we blew the roof off the place. Everybody that was shitting on all out. And, you know, we just threw it back in your face, all this kind of rah, rah stuff. And it's like, well, the buildup sucked, man. And <laughs> the card was pretty shitty. So it's, it's okay to be critical of that and also enjoy what you got, you know? I mean, both are correct. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, it's not a shock because they almost always deliver on their pay-per-views, at least in ring wise. Um, and we'll get to it later, but I think a big part of that was the crowd. So Chicago crowds always deliver. They definitely did. I mean, you cannot overlook the surprise edition of Brian Danielson, who we're going to talk a lot about later in the show here. But I mean, yeah, Brian getting added as the surprise at collision would have if I was sitting at home, that probably would have got me to buy the show. Without that, I I don't think I would have bought it. But yeah, I mean, Same. from a match perspective, it definitely over-delivered. It was a hell of a show. We'll get to our grades here in just a second and, and talk, maybe briefly compare it to All In before we get to the discourse on what's going on this week in wrestling. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the criticisms were warranted. But that said, yes, the show also very much over-delivered. Um, while we were in Chicago, we had a chance to meet a few of our listeners, which was a blast. I want to throw this out before I forget, because we have to do that segment. Justin mentioned, uh, we were able to meet up. Well, first of all, Zach Haydorn, our, uh, cohort here from the SE scoops, YouTube channel. And, uh, that was always fun. We met up with Sean Skelton, who is one of our earliest supporters. He's been a patron of this show for many years, going back to when he was living in his home country over in the UK. Since that time, he has moved to the Midwest and was there. And we got to meet up with him. This is, of course, the brother of Rick Skelton, another big supporter of ours who has been on the program multiple times over on Patreon before and will be on it again. And Sean told me that his favorite segment is where at the beginning of the show, we talk about what we're drinking for the night. So, Justin, What's in the glass, what's in the can? What is in the can, sir? Uh, so I just came across something that I had never heard of nor seen a few weeks ago. Uh, and kind of relative to when, when I was, you know, mid teens, late teens, early twenties, I would tend to just buy CDs if I thought the cover was cool. And that's kind of what happened here. Uh, so I came across this uh, scotch blended scotch called the Deacon. And I bought it because, for one, I've always had kind of a fascination with Plague Doctors. Um, not so much the Marty Skrull version, but just in, in history-wise. And so I bought this. I mean, it was, I don't know, around $35 or something like that. But the bottle's really cool. And 
the picture on the front was really cool. So I gave it a shot and it ended up being pretty terrific. It's, it's a, a, a peaty scotch, which I love and I just don't get as often as maybe I should, but, uh, a, a good find a, a good scotch. If you can find it, the Deacon. Nice. Jesse. What about you? It looks amazing, Justin. I like yeah. that. Bottle's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Like, look at the texture on that bottle. It's really neat. Nice. It. We're just gonna just kind of lay to the wayside that I, the first thing I thought of when I saw the logo was Marty Squirrel. Yeah. Yes. Same. Yeah. But Impossible not to. Badass, Sean. I apologize this evening. I have to be up super early tomorrow morning, so I am not drinking any alcohol. I will be back next week drinking, and it'll probably be a little bit of whiskey. Yeah, nice. Well, here's what I have in the glass. As you can see from the literal glass, it is quite dark. Wine? Well, no. In fact... Is it? It is the Dangerous Man's Peanut Butter Porter. Jesse brought to Chicago couple of cans and justin i have a can for you i was in my just about to say i was just about to say you better I, have another one over there i almost drove it over to your house tonight so you would have it on the show oh, but i didn't have a shit. chance i was oh, thinking and i would have had to have gone <laughs> and grabbed my peanut butter porter next, next yeah. week next week we'll make it happen yes so yes if you didn't hear it, the dangerous man brewing out of minneapolis peanut butter porter one of their best beers great stuff so sean glad you like that segment again great to meet you and talk to you in person and your wife who was very nice and your other friend that was there whose name escapes me right now i apologize but we had a great time at this uh this pizza place just down madison from the united center and then we also at the show saw brandon evans who is a big supporter of ours we didn't really meet up but he was in the section kind of one over or two over from us and I was messaging him and we were waving at him in the United Center and he finally saw us and gave us a big wave. So that was fun to see Brandon there. He's been supporting us for a very long time, too. And yeah, we had a blast. Chicago was awesome. Treated us very well. We will be back for sure. Hopefully do more meetups, maybe Chicago or other places in the future for other wrestling shows. Stay tuned. We'll be traveling again. Definitely. I I missed it. I, I just I, I heard a little bit of it because uh, I was at the other end of the table from you and Sean. Mm-hmm. Did he tell you why he was wearing a CM Punk shirt? Uh, not like why. I mean, him and his whole crew had him on. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, they had that planned. And, and then when the news dropped Saturday that Punk had been fired, which we haven't even had a chance to talk about on the show. But we'll get into that later, too. They were debating, you know, whether they should still wear them. And they decided to all wear them and they all had them on. And they weren't the only people. There were lots of people. I, I know there were some false reports online saying that everyone with punk shirts were being asked to turn their shirts inside out. Hey, that ain't the case because I saw lots of people wearing them unless every single person turned a background or maybe uh, it's possible a few were asked, but there was lots of punk shirts there. They, I know they were confiscating some signs. I did hear that, but I mean, the merch was still everywhere. Now the, the merch tables at all out, by the way, you guys was really thin. It was terrible. I'm guessing part of that is because they had punk stuff ready to go, probably exclusive punk stuff that had already been printed up. And then obviously they didn't sell it. So that left a big blank at the merch stand. It was really bad. I mean, it was, I would say they had like ha- half of what you would have at a WWE house show. And it was basically all just all out merch, almost like yeah. basically zero individual superstar stuff. Yeah. Brandon's in the chat. Nice. Good to see you, Brandon. 
had a little uh, tribute yeah, to MJF and Adam Cole too with their double clothesline. Twenty. That was probably the Chicago coolest wrestler shirt, shirt there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They did have that. Um, yeah, Tim, who went to the show with us, with Aaron, who's in the chat here, also went to the shows with us. Tim did wear his punk shirt on Saturday to Collision. What? Yeah, there were there are a lot of shirts. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of punk shirts. There's a pop, Justin. <laughs> what? Highlight of the weekend, Tim. Tim got our, our good friend Jesse here with a, a very low key what, and Jesse kept you know repeating himself, not knowing what Tim was doing. It was the best part of my weekend. The joke was that Tim looks like Steve Austin, and he did <laughs> what to him over and over. It was quite funny. Uh, Tim's in the, the chat J- too. There he is, and the JBL speaker <laughs> above as well inside. Mm. Like, oh look, JBL's here. Damn. Oh, uh, nailed it. So yeah, it was a great time. We had a blast group of five of us you know we went out late we went to the shows we were all over downtown chicago during the day it was extremely hot uh but really fun to travel with aaron and tim and Mm -hmm. us three uh it was a great group and i was left after that weekend thinking about you know they're two very different shows all in versus all out but you know from a from a festival perspective or a just a viewership like a spectacle obviously all in was the better show in that way but when it comes to match quality i don't think there's any question all out was a better show than all in match wise i think that that's pretty fair yeah i would think i would say like all in you know from from top to bottom they were all right around at least like three and a half stars Mm-hmm. four to maybe a little bit, bit above four i think the lows of all out might be a li- a teensy bit lower but all out had something that all in didn't in my opinion Match and that's your contender yeah. yes exactly mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah that is the difference and um i said this when carl with jesse and i on the post show for um all in is i i was like b plus to a minus and the only thing that was keeping me from giving it the a was it didn't to me it didn't have a true match of the year there were some don't get me wrong awesome matches on that show for sure ftr and the bucks was great punk and joe was great i mean there's a lot to like on there obviously osprey and jericho as well but to me i wouldn't put any of those in the match of the year at the end at the there's so many good matches these days in pro wrestling mm-hmm. it has to be super super high level to get in that match of the year contendership and this one definitely had one that strap match with danielson and starks is like <sighs> arguably the greatest strap match of all time and if you look at cage match you know the ratings on there right now not to say that cage matches would be all end all but certainly Meltzer's ratings aren't these days either so you know you got to look at different places I mean, that that Brian Starks match is at 9.28 out of 10 out of over 558 votes. I mean, and that's I'm, that is incredibly high. Nothing on all in touches that. Yeah. And I would I would say if it wasn't for that match, I think Moxley and Orange would be considered a possible match of the year, too. It was just slightly overshadowed by the strap match. I I, I found myself almost thinking about that match more since the show than any other some funny you should say that moxley and orange cassie so 9.28 is the aggregate for danielson and starks moxley and orange 9.24 oh wow hot on its okay. heels and then Takeshita and omega 9.12 just gonna three say matches over nine on that card um the highest 
rated match on uh, all in. You got a few in the eight and a half range. FTR in the Bucks, uh, MJF and Cole about eight point six three. Osprey and Jericho's right at eight. But I mean three over nine, and that's you know according to hundreds of people on on Cage Match. Not to be all end all, but worthy of discussion. Go ahead, Jesse. Sorry. No, saying call call me crazy, but o- Omega and Takeshita, I like that a little bit more than Moxley and Orange Cassidy, oh. even though they're yes, because I I have, I have been waiting for that match for a while. We talked about how the build wasn't there, whereas Mox Orange was, where Takeshita's momentum was stalled a little bit. But I know you guys took a quick little reprieve, like you probably missed a few minutes of it, but whew, mm. there was some pretty intense moments. A little bit worried about Kenny Omega in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, you know, a big part of going to live shows is deciding when to use the restroom or when to go get a beer. And we were nearing the end of the show, and I'm looking at, you know, what's left on the card, and there was one thing for sure I didn't want to miss. And this is going to go kind of to my broader point of uh, about this show. I didn't want to miss the Young Bucks entrance. Because I had to to see and hear and feel how that crowd was going to react to them. So I, I, I had to take my bathroom break at the beginning of Omega Takeshita, in which case, you know, I, I missed basically just the entrances and was able to get back in time for most of the match. Yeah. Lot to like on this show, man. I mean, very rewatchable from the strap match to the end. It was pretty much the show was on fire. The crowd was next level. It was an interesting crowd because if you haven't seen it, I have it on our YouTube channel. The whole speech that Tony did before collision where he talked about punks uh, firing. And certainly when all out started the next day, there was some pro punk people in the crowd who were booing and stuff and trying to get the punk chants going. But most of the crowd in Chicago were booing those chants out. They were shutting it down. Yep, the punk, and it's probably came across live on the pay-per-view, but anytime those punk chants started, way louder boos, and they were completely shut down. So the crowd dynamics were very interesting. I mean, I put on Twitter, there's no questions. Chicago crowds are the best crowds for yeah, pro it, wrestling in the country. And that was kind of my biggest takeaway, is that for number, number one, I, I prefer my professional wrestling with CM Punk in it. But yes. I, I totally understand why he had to go. And the most fascinating thing to me about this show was that a diehard Chicago crowd with, I'm sure the majority of the people when they bought their tickets were expecting CM Punk. They chose AEW over CM Punk. Like Ryan said, there were some people who tried to start CM Punk chants. They were shut down. We had one guy in our row who is audibly yelling, shut the fuck up. We don't want to see him bunk. <laughs> yes. But and like, even the Bucks, who were getting a good boo mm-hmm. at you know the beginning of their match, eventually won that crowd over and were getting cheers. I was so giddy during that match, just listening to the crowd, you know, bring another level of enjoyment to that match. Uh, I just can't say... All Out 21 was one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. And I'm not going to say that this show was better than that. But this was probably possibly the most fun I've ever had a wrestling show. 
And it was definitely the funnest crowd I've ever been a part of. You just kept saying that night, I love professional wrestling. <laughs> You're on such a high all the way oh, back to the hotel. So much fun. And then we sat there in the hotel, all five of us watching the press scrum afterwards. <laughs> it was just like, what a night. Great it, it, show. It re-energizes you, especially with all the fucking discourse coming in. We lose oh, losing yeah. CM Punk and you know, this build sucks. This card sucks, which hey, we're included in that criticism. We definitely criticized it. And, you know, me personally, I had been up since 3.30 a.m. that day. So I was dog tired. I was, I had had coffee. I had had Mountain Dew. I had had a monster, anything just to try and get to that card. And that card brought me back to life. This, Justin is underselling this a bit, his journey to Chicago. Couldn't, <laughs> we had five people. We took four cars there. Keep in mind, three of us were from the same city in Iowa. Yeah. So. Justin could not go on Saturday. He didn't go to collision with us. He had to drive separately for family reasons. Sunday morning, we all get up at the hotel in Chicago. We go down to have the Continental breakfast. We go back upstairs and shower before we're going to hit Michigan Avenue. We all we get done with the showers, and Justin joins at the door. That It's like 10.20 a.m. Justin <laughs> drove, made a four-and-a-half-hour drive from our hometown to Chicago and was there at 10 20 AM through Chicago traffic. Unbelievable. Justin, that was, that was almost as impressive as this card. I must the, say, you know, the, <laughs> the, the baby wouldn't let me sleep. And by the time I kind of got back into bed, I, I realized that my alarm was going to go off in 30 minutes. And I said, fuck it. I'm not going to fall asleep. And what's that 30 minutes going to do? I'm hitting the road. Unbelievable. Almost up for 24 hours. Justin <laughs> loves his pro wrestling. Oh, yes. Man. Dedication oh, to the craft. Love oh, it, man. Jesse, any, anything you want to throw? I, I've, I've been kind of hogging the conversation here as Justin's been talking, but you want to interject on any points made or any, any new thoughts on All Out from you? I, I'll ask you both this question. At this okay. point, do we deduct style points for these incredibly bad builds i'm at I mean, the point go ahead i'm sorry i i'm at the point where i wish the builds were better but you know i'm kind of back on board you know good faith with tony khan making sure to deliver a, a great show and until he doesn't do that you know i'm, I'm gonna keep getting these pay-per-views i'm gonna keep watching i uh, yeah go ahead yeah, because we, well, we, I know over the last year and some change since Tony Khan inherited Ring of Honor, that's always been the problem. It's like, why am I going to spend 35, 40 bucks on a car that's been horribly built? We haven't seen much of this on television. You have to go through YouTube and maybe they'll occasionally throw it in on AEW Dynamite for the last couple of weeks to hype up like a death before dishonor or something along those lines. And then it turns out to over deliver, you get FTR and the Briscoes three times on pay per view, all match of the year quality. You don't complain anymore. That's exactly mm -hmm. what they did in Chicago. You mentioned the crowds. And by the way, it's the home of the original All-In. So they've, they've been supporting the Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the entire project of the Elite since the inception. So there are a lot of fans. And the big reason why CM Punk, why he was accepted right away is because look at how how homegrown he was like his, mm -hmm. his, his origin story. 
from the independents and the IWAs, and he's a Chicago kid. But then Ring of Honor was kind of AEW minus the budget. Didn't have mm-hmm. the multi-billionaire spending all the money in the production and all of it. But before that, Punk was one of our own. So I guess to conclude this whole thing up, that was the biggest kind of takeaway I was going to ask you guys was, do you start deducting the style points? Well, because this was just phenomenal on all, all levels. And sorry, I'm going to let you talk real quick here in, in just a second, Ryan. But you know, the other thing I've been thinking about with the build to these shows is, is we, we criticize them a lot and they, a lot of the times they deserve the criticism, but also like, at least two or three matches do have good builds. It it might not all of them have like three to four months builds, but what professional wrestling wrestling shows in history have great builds for each match top to bottom. I mean, that's almost basically non-existent. I mean, they're giving us pretty good stories. I think the main problem with all out was coming off of all in and that, you know, good feelings and then the card they were starting to give us, it just didn't really make sense. But once it all played out, you kind of see what the build was a little bit, if that kind of makes sense in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard with a one-week time period. I think that was one of the biggest criticisms we had is them turn around and doing this a week apart. And it's going to be a challenge moving forward. They're going to they're gonna keep doing this. I think I'm more likely to go to or buy all out next year based on how this turned out, even with it being a week later. I think it's a interesting point that Jesse made because this is something that we're very critical of WWE on is that we always say, you know, their pay-per-views PLEs deliver in the ring almost always, but the build sucks or, you know, like it, I always say they exist in a vacuum. Like you're going to have fun that night, but then you go back to the TV and it's not great. And maybe we give AEW not enough criticism there, but at the same time, these shows deliver more than the WWE shows in the ring, in my opinion. And I feel like I'm more willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because sometimes they have told really good stories. And I feel like what happens on these shows does impact their long-term direction more so Mm -hmm. than WWE, where it truly is sometimes existing in a vacuum. And then we just move on and everything's very forgettable. Not so much on the AEW shows. I think mostly these shows are are memorable. And I have to give them credit this week because I thought Dynamite followed up on basically everything they needed to. Um, They're building two major shows up over the next month with uh, Grand Slam, with the Wrestle Dream show out in Seattle in early October. And they're right on the ball building these. You know, they've got clear directions going on with, uh, you know, MJF and Samoa Joe and this tournament they're doing for the world title shot. You know, um, I thought they gave great directions. The stuff going on with Tony Storm, of course, is very good. I mean, they've they've got directions for most of the people on their television show right now. And it all exists coming out of this show and what happened there as it should by the playbook. And so the build, yeah, was subpar. They delivered and it looks like this show is going to serve as, you know, delivering what we see for the next month. And that's how wrestling's supposed to work. Yep. It's going to be the catalyst. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in my head right now because we can talk about dynamite. I thought MJF and Joe, what they're doing was phenomenal. I know that if you're watching on YouTube, it's in the thumbnail. So you're probably wondering when the hell are they going to talk about this? Um, I guess we could start there because, you know, we saw the shove 
that happened at the pay-per-view and then they parlayed that into dynamite and i social media was very quick to pick up on you know that joe had shoved the young maxwell jacob friedman at the nxt show several years ago in brooklyn when, and when then, to, to, if anybody doesn't know uh, max was playing a like a security guard or yes. something while while samoa joe was making his way to the ring and it looked like max was trying to get out in front of him and joe just kind of shoved him to the side so so this is not like the fans who are uber nerdy like us on Twitter, like automatically reading into that and being like, oh, look, they're definitely calling back to that. No, that is what they were calling back to because they mm-hmm. mentioned it then on Dynamite and they had this great exchange in the middle of the ring and I loved it. Like I am hyped to see these two wrestle. I mean, obviously Joe needs to go over in this tournament first, but I mean, I'm already looking forward to this prospective match in a few weeks and I, I thought both guys were great. It seemed like they were kind of winging it here and there with the, especially at the beginning. Some, you know, I think pretty much everything they said, Jesse landed. This also makes you wonder as well, if Samoa Joe was going to headline grand slam last year with CM Punk. I truly believe that he was, because what they are leading into is MJF potentially going over to either Full Gear or Revolution 23 over Punk. And then he was going to be he's where he is in this scenario now. So kudos to him for getting it a year later. The promo exchanges were tremendous with Joe calling him kid a handful of times. Max taking complete offense to it. Also mentioning... Max destroying William Regal and sending him back over to the WWE. The up the Pillsbury Joe references. Uh, what else? There was another like a Samoa. I can't remember. Just, just Samoa absolutely. Doe. Yes, yeah, Samoa Doe. Absolutely hysterical to me. So I guess then I'll ask you guys this question again. With the Grand Slam tournament, are you slightly disappointed that there weren't? more larger names involved or just because we know it's now it's looking crystal clear that MJF and Joe are going to be the main event headline, the grand slam. That's funny that you say that because most of the people on my Twitter timeline are saying it's a no brainer that it's going to be Roderick strong and that Joe will possibly be wrestle dream that they're going to hold off on that. I mean, it could happen, I the Roddy Strong stuff is just not doing it for me. That that is like I mean, it's fine. It's not a world title shot opportunity. I mean, I obviously they'll play I into the Cole stuff, but like no. yeah, a stadium show. Roddy Strong, like he's he's doing the character well. I didn't, I'm not sold on the crowd. Really cares about the kingdom, even with the Cole and MJF connection. I think it's fine to give those guys something to do and giving him this character to grow into. You know, like the neck brace thing is kind of humorous, but. I wouldn't I wouldn't give him that shot in two weeks. I mean, I just I wouldn't do that. The the only thing that makes me question it that it could be Roderick Strong is like to get MJF and Samoa Joe at Grand Slam, you don't really need to do this stupid stupid eliminator tournament. Like come, you know, what right, happened yeah. at all out and then uh yesterday uh on Dynamite, you know, you could have just naturally build to that match at grand slam. So that's the thing that makes me wonder. It's like, Oh, is this going to be Roderick strong? Cause you kind of, you kind of need some, some gimmick to get him into that title match, which 
don't know. Just doesn't feel like a main event for Grand Slam to me. No. Do we truly believe that Trent Beretta had a chance in this? Does Jeff Hardy really need to no. be on television in singles matches? This is a bad bracket. I, I'm just going mean, to say it. It's a really bad bracket. Brutal. I don't know what the ticket sales are at for Grand Slam. I assume they're pretty soft in comparison to, well, definitely two years ago, but even last year they didn't do great. So, I mean, are you really going to sell a lot of tickets if it's Roddy Strong? (laughs) Because, I mean, Joe and MJF is going to sell some tickets. And Tim said in the chat, full gear. They they could do that, but, I mean, they got another pay-per-view before then. So, I mean, I would think Wrestle Dream. Uh, But, you know, we'll see. They're running a big venue in Los Angeles at the Forum. That's going to be a huge show as well. So, they got to have some marquee stuff. And I'm starting to think you get Brian Danielson in this world title picture eventually. That's the question is because go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I just, I was left when I left that show. I'm not going to say that people don't consider Brian the greatest of all time. We know like Moxley does. He's been very vocal on that. And there, there's definitely quite a few fans that do. But typically, when you get into these arguments of who's the greatest pro wrestler of all time, I mean, the Obviously names that come Chris up, Jericho. the names that come up are like Ric Flair, Bret Hart, you know, Shawn Michaels. When you're talking about like in-ring guys, not just the whole package, but definitely like the best in-ring workers, you know, these are the names that come up. And Brian Danielson, you know, considering the comeback, yes, he missed several years, but what he has been able to do now, you know, towards the end of his career since coming to AEW without ever really being a focal point on television is pretty remarkable. I mean, to have that match he had with Starks on super short notice, we know that that was punk slot before everything went down. They get him in there. He said in the press scrum, smoke and mirrors. He couldn't do everything yet. He's, you know, he could, he could get medically approved to do the match, but he's not fully there yet. And to have an all-timer of a match like that. Hmm. And then you know, we look at the whole rest of his career, too. I just think that, man, when it's all said and done here, Brian Danielson could be a near-unanimous pick as one of the greats of all time. Like, How do you argue against it at this point? You know, Before it would have been his career was too short, but now he's had the added on time since returning in 2018 and two different companies just as good as he ever was it's unbelievable and by the way just as a side note i want to say i love listening to him in those scrums yeah he is probably the best wrestler at that in either company he's, he's just so such earnest. A thoughtful guy yeah. yeah one thing i truly believe that we can agree on is he is likely to have the greatest close to a career of all time and i mm-hmm. don't think I don't think that can be disputed because Flair towards the end of his career was a shell. You had Austin. I mean, eh, he was, I guess, with a neck injury. Bret Hart. I think. I think Austin though. Like, what if? Not to interrupt you, but I think. I think Austin though. When you talk about him, it's more like star power. Not that he wasn't a good worker. He was. He was different after the neck injury. But to me, he's not in like the best in-ring worker argument of all time. Biggest star, for sure, he is. But if you just just look at workers in the ring, yeah, I mean, like you're going into Bret Hart, Flair. I think he's more in that category to me. HBK had a great second half of, of his mm-hmm. career. 
I just think what we're seeing from Brian Danielson in AEW being able to go back to what his bread and butter was before he went to the WWE, and that is just put on these incredible matches in Ring of Honor. For him to do it now at an advanced stage with more surgeries as well, there is a lot of tread on his tire. I just truly believe this is probably the greatest ending to a very high-profile career of all time. So do you guys think he's going to get a run with the world title? I don't think he wants it. I mean, I I don't think he would ever advocate for that. I don't think he would ever advocate for it. I think it's a good idea if they were to do it. Now, I mean, look, obviously Tony wanted to put the title on Punk more than once. Um, Brian's probably a better choice than Punk was, and he did it with Punk, so why not? I feel as though, and Justin, we were talking about this the other day on DMs, that Brian would do a lot maybe for ticket sales on some of these marquee shows and some of the dream matches they could do. Because Mm -hmm. look, they did not sell out all out in the United Center. They did sell out Forbidden Door, but it's no secret that their ticket sales have been a lot more soft this year as compared to a couple of years ago, while WWE is a much hotter ticket right now. So imagine a situation where we've talked about on this pod a lot, MJF, Cole, if they do a heel turn with Cole eventually, and I've said many times on here, if they do that, he needs to win the title to make it effective, but... I don't think it should be a long-term title reign for an Adam Cole. So, you know, what if they they went from MJF to Cole and then Brian beat him for it and Brian held it for several months. I mean, he works a headline maybe at Revolution defending the title and then you get to Las Vegas. Just imagine Las Vegas, double or nothing, one of their marquee shows, which was a huge gate. Two years ago, this year, not so much. Had people questioning if they'd run T-Mobile again because it's such a big venue. What if you have Brian Danielson going in as your world champion next May, defending against Kenny Omega in the main event, and what those two did at Grand Slam a couple years ago? I think that match draws a hell of a gate at T-Mobile Center, and it makes double or nothing a huge draw again to Las Vegas. I feel like one of the arguments for making Brian champion is the marquee dream matches you can do while you still have him working at a high level because he talked about in that scrum. He doesn't know how much longer he's going to wrestle and he talked about his family and everything. So you make use of him as this one of the greatest of all time, but also a huge drawing card who has the WWE exposure who has these dream matches you can do. I mean, another one Okada was mentioned by Tim in the chat, but I think Brian Omega for the world title is a huge marquee pay-per-view match that they need to do, you know? So I, that, I mean, that's just, go ahead. It's just some me spitballing a little bit to your point. I think there's another good one out there. Um, but it just makes me think about the good problem that Tony has right now, as far as like, who are the world champions going to be going forward for the next couple of years? Um, you know, you could look at <clears throat> Starks, obviously. I, I think that is very likely going forward. Uh, Orange is made now. You have Darby right there. A lot of people would love to see Eddie Kingston, although I think his destiny lies in the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, there are two guys that I would like to see as one as, as 
a first time world champion, one as a second time and uh, something I want to talk about here in a minute, because it's, it's a segment that I enjoyed even more than MJ, MJF and Joe, and that is Swerve and Hangman. Mm-hmm. And then one more name that is going to be a free agent here pretty soon that I think uh, Danielson could work really well with, and that's Will Ospreay. There you go. I mean, this is this is the argument for Brian as a world champion is it gives him even more prestige to make younger talent. You know, I think that in the end, look, he dropped a Ricky Starks and then he can draw on the match we just saw. Ricky Starks wants his revenge. They had this all-timer. It could be months down the line, and they use that in the storyline canon to get to that match, you know, eventually for the title, and Ricky gets his win back. I mean, one of the things we always say, I did this rant a few years ago comparing Brett and Sean, who are both two of my favorites of all time, but I said that I, I think Brett is a greater wrestler is that he made people, and Sean, not as much. Brett made Austin. Brian Danielson can make this young talent in a way that MJF can't because he's a young guy himself. You need to have that legend passing the torch. It couldn't be punk for a variety of reasons. Omega is he's a legend to a subset of fans, but not he doesn't have the reach that Brian Danielson does. Brian Danielson has what this company needs to make that next generation of talent. And I feel like you do it with the top prize in mind. And you're right, Justin. Swerve's another guy, for sure. Uh, thoughts, Jesse? I said Danielson and Osprey at All In 2024 next year. I believe I said that into Chicago to you guys. If Just put that into the ether right now. because call just Let's just call that out. I actually wrote this in a, in a Google Doc. The three tiers of AEW right now in terms of like the hierarchy and where they are currently and where they should be. Cause Justin and I on the preview show both said that Ricky Starks and orange Cassidy were going to be elevated here in this spot. Ooh, and it boy, happened. They? And then some, Ooh. so I'll go quick. Your, your tier one at the moment is MJF, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson. That's undisputed. I believe tier two, I think just a notch, but like a very, very short notch below. I only have two names, hangman page. Cause he's a former champion and Adam Cole, because I truly believe that's where Tony Khan wants him to be at this moment. Then you have a very broad tier three. You have, I have five names down and we mentioned Ricky Starks, orange Cassidy, Jay white folks. Hmm. Look out. I truly believe, especially with the Bullet Club club run that he's had over the last three months in collision, he is going to be on the marquee. The problem is, like, where in the world does he fit in with all the names I just mentioned? I have two more. Darby Allen, of course, he's – crowd absolutely loves him. You you can put him in spots. No complaints here. My last one is Kanosuke Takeshita. And that's just on the eve of him defeating Kenny Omega in the biggest match of his entire career. And with Don Callis backing him right now and being his voice, I think it's time to put him there. And then my my honorable mention, I, I had Swerve Strickland as well because he's knocking on the door to get up to that tier, but he has to start winning some matches. That's important. Yes. Here. Did did not did that not feel special when he came out to interrupt that hangman segment? Like that that felt Perfect. Like that is exactly what we need from both of these guys at this exact moment. And you're hundred percent right. That's the only thing is, is swerve 
needs some uh, in-ring momentum because he he has it all outside. And, and he gave his best promo I've ever seen, in my opinion. Yes. No arguments. Yeah, talk, talk about that promo. I mean, it was Woo. phenomenal. It was It's great to see Hangman getting something to you know, put his teeth into here. Finally, I love the shout out to school teachers, obviously, <laughs> as one myself. You know, it's great to see stuff like that in a world where teachers are getting attacked for ridiculous reasons all the time across this country anymore. For for Hangman Page to give the shout out because he used to be a teacher was really cool. And obviously the donation, the 50 grand to Chicago Public Schools was a nice touch over the weekend. But I mean, the way that he talked about finding out about this battle royal last minute had to get himself on a plane to enter and stuff. It was like totally believable given his booking of late. And um, yeah, I mean, these two guys in the ring will be great. And to your point about Swerve needing to get some wins, I mean, so does Hangman Page, which makes this intriguing, Justin. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think Swerve's got to win the first one. We're heading towards a trilogy, in my opinion. I feel like like a a short-term, three-month three-month trilogy or something here. The fascinating thing is going to be who comes out on top. I'd assume Hangman because Swerve still, he still feels like he's on the upswing. It's, mm-hmm. it's maybe a little too soon to pull the trigger on who, well, shit. I don't know. I was going to say who should be the first uh, black AW world champion. Cause I mean, Starks is right there. So it's tough to say, but uh, everything about that segment was just, pitch perfect and hangman now doesn't have to worry about a certain distraction in terms of his booking as well so i think he we're going to start to see him back in the good graces of AEW. no volition of his own um anything else on dynamite you guys wanted to hit tony storm (laughs) oh again phenomenal fantastic oh my lord where did this come <laughs> from i seriously she's she's stealing dynamites for me i absolutely love this now it's just a matter of the women's division what do you do with them so i mean you love it enough to throw your mic across the room so i hope so <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh, by the way if you guys are wondering about payback um didn't have a chance to watch that show totally um i had it on in the hotel room Aaron and I kind of watched it on Saturday night, but I was, you know, we were kind of talking to, I didn't watch it super closely. So I don't have any deep thoughts on that. So if you're wondering where the WWE discussion is going to be, it's going to revolve around CM Punk here (laughs) in just a second. But anything else before I transition to that from all out, all in dynamite that wasn't brought up, Justin? Um, I mean, I guess I'll do your gimmick. We never gave grades Mm. for all out. True. How did I forget? Jeez. Or just even like amateur hour. Gen- g- any general thoughts on uh, individual matches or anything? Well, I mean, for me, the match of the night was the strap match easily yeah. uh, because it's an all timer for that category and it's an A show. No question, because it had an all timer on it and it over delivered and it was phenomenal in the ring. Yes, the build was lackluster, but again, they only had a week to build it. So yeah, I, I would go A. That's my match of the night. Jesse. A minus. I for me, it, it's it's on par with all in, I think, as a whole, because I'm adding in the spectacle of everything from Wembley that still hasn't left my mind yet. 
mm-hmm. even though the superior in-ring stuff from a top perspective was definitely all out. That is for sure. D- yeah, Danielson Starks just that I couldn't believe it. I remember when towards the end of Statlander and Soho, I kind of elbowed Justin and I said, look at the second half of this card and what's left. And every single one of those matches was either anywhere from above average to excellent. Completely killed it. Yeah. I To, to point about all in, it's not that, sh- you know, it's, it's unfortunate that everything that happened, not really right after, during it, took away from all the discourse on mm-hmm. the show because it was such a spectacle. It was a phenomenal show. I do think mm-hmm. all out was as an in-ring show was a better show, but that show was iconic because of the setting and everything. And yeah, I mean, not like it was a bad show either. It was an excellent show. It was basically, I gave that a a minus. It was a really awesome show as well. It's just, boy, just a couple of days later. And was like, nobody was talking about the show anymore. Everyone was talking about the CM Punk drama yet again. Yeah unfortunately and here coming out of all out it feels like that show put a nail in the coffin for the punk discourse like justin said i like my wrestling with cm punk in it much better but i'm kind of happy just close the door and move on and concentrate on the roster that they have and building this thing back up and come come out of this great show with all the stuff to look forward to now because of how well that one went over not just in the building but on television all Out and Dynamite both felt like 2019 AEW towards the tail end of the year mm-hmm. with kind of that, yeah, with the stories that are now being built. You could argue maybe towards the beginning of 2022, maybe after Revolution, because that was actually a really well-built car with MJF Punk, Hangman Cole, and the likes. I think maybe after that pay-per-view, like is when Double or Nothing and Forbidden Door kind of rolled together in 22. That's where things got off track. So now they can start this build and give us continuity and fluidity in these stories moving forward. Just bring back that bring back that, that shiny toy feel that AEW had a couple of years ago. Yeah. Justin, you. I would go an A. The only thing keeping it uh, from an A plus for me is you know, the build going in and just the feelings going into the show. Um, cause it just, it, it felt like it just kind of overcame the odds a little bit, especially considering, uh, the CM Punk announcement the day before the show. It's just every, almost every single match on this card was just fun. It was a good time. And you talk about the crowd and I mean, I think a lot of people were expecting Derby Allen to win, but Please, please keep this Christian Cage thing going. This, it, it, it might be my favorite thing in all of professional wrestling right now. Immediately after that, you had Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs oh. with all the just amazing meat chants going back to how fucking fantastic this crowd was. I, I would love to know if this is the match they had laid out or if maybe they called an audible when they realized what the crowd was doing, it's like, Oh, let's just hit each other a lot. Cause that's all this crowd really wants. One of the only misses of all out was the fact that they had the locker room make the save for Darby Allen instead of having sting in the building. Yep. They should have had sting in the building for that. Justin again, missed out on seeing sting live. My fourth attract a little bit for that. 
fourth AEW pay-per-view. I've still never seen Sting get physical. Apparently, I was reminded that I've seen him walk to the ring once with Darby Allen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I even wore a Sting shirt trying to bring good luck for you. I've seen the <laughs> pictures did. over on our Insta- or my Instagram page uh, trying to put that out there. A good man. I've already brought up uh, my excitement just to hear the crowd for the eight-man tag team match, specifically regarding the Young Bucks. That match was a ton of fun. Yeah. And, and once again, if it hadn't been for the strap match, if it hadn't been for Mox and Orange, if it hadn't been for Takeshita Omega, that could have easily been a match in the night. Um, I think we have a strong tradition of me getting super excited during a show and I start shaking Ryan. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I think it was during that match at some point when I was just so giddy about the way the crowd was behaving. <laughs> yeah, and we were playing musical chairs a little bit because yes. people kept getting up to get you know drinks and to go to the bathroom, and then every time we'd come back, you'd get like a slightly different chair. So at the beginning of the show, Justin, we were almost like the full row apart. And at the end of the show, we were to, next to each other. So yeah, it was definitely in that second half part yeah. towards the end. I think you're right. I think that's when it was. <laughs> just just a, a f- such a fun match. So yeah. incredible. Just a good time. Yeah. MJF and Cole, by the way, opened the show and the crowd was yes. going nuts for that too. Yes. Yeah, yep. the ROH match. Yeah. And I, I should I should shout out because I think we we properly shit on it. Dark Order being involved. Good heels. They yeah. were really good heels. Fine out there. Yeah. yeah. I like Silver fun. and Reynolds as, as a tag team too. I, mm-hmm. I really do. The problem is they're just on television enough. And I think one of the more undersold moments for me and all out hands down, because I, I could see it as clear as day when Samoa Joe bumped MJF two seconds later, the smirk of Samoa Joe. <laughs> yeah. Priceless. Yeah. He's such a consummate pro. I love him. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And then you just, to top things off, you have just the chef, chef's kiss, cherry on top to Orange Cassidy's international title reign being this loss to John Moxley. It just, it felt right in the building. It was amazing. I I think a lot of us, including me, were trying to say when, when he was going up against Swerve a few months ago that that should have been the end of it. I was wrong. We were wrong. This felt right. This was an all-time title reign. He made this championship, and and I think it went to the right next person. Yes. Great segue to last night. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the open of the show, too, having on Dynamite, having Orange come out, that very brief promo. Yes. And then following that up right away with Moxley's entrance for his match with AR Fox, and then having Orange standing on the – ramp looking back Uh, at him again letting this all connect and not just having this show be in a vacuum but continuing to play on what happened a couple of nights before was very good orange was great there moxley too as he continued to kind of glance at him on the ramp man i'm i you know last week was a downer of a week for sure and i am extremely excited about wrestling right now and i i know i said that i didn't really watch payback closely but honestly i've said it on the pod before wwe is doing good stuff too i've enjoyed watching their shows as well and well we talked about gunther at the top but i mean there's a lot of good stuff happening in, in both companies right now and i guess as the transition point because i've had multiple people ask me about this over the last couple of days 
I just want to get what what your guys' thoughts are on the possibility of Phil Brooks, CM Punk, returning to WWE. So, I mean, we didn't really react to it in the moment because it happened over the weekend, but I think we're all on the same page. What happened with Punk probably at this point was for the better. You know, they did their investigation and everything. Hit the bricks, Phil, you bum. It was more about, from what I understand, it was more about what happened between Punk and Tony than it was between what happened with Perry and Punk. Apparently, the the arguments with Tony Khan is where the fireable offense came in. And so, with that said, with him out, nobody really knows what's going on contract-wise. I know Meltzer talked about this on Observer Radio, and he said that um, standard in the industry sometimes is if you get fired at least in WWE, if you get fired with cause, they can hold you to a one-year a one-year um, no-compete, which seems excessive when you don't have money coming in for a paycheck, and I'm not sure that that would hold up in court. We, we would have to see. I mean, it's not it's not like Vince to be that petty. <laughs> but if that's... We don't know if that's the case with AEW. And so we don't know when Punk would be available. We know when he was out previously from brawl out that he was open to the idea of returning to WWE. And apparently the idea was floated of him going to into last year's Royal rumble and working a short term program with uh, Kevin Owens, I believe it was. And so he certainly seems to be interested in it despite everything that's been said. Maybe he gives that promo where such and such day he returned to sports entertainment is the next one. Um, but he seems to be open to it. He was complimentary towards Hunter and his Colorflower Alley speech he gave last week. Uh, he visited Raw last spring. The fucking carny. He's being a politician for sure. So, yeah, I, people have been speculating about the Survivor Series show because it's in Chicago. But, I mean, if he had a 90-day non-compete from when he got fired, he wouldn't be able to work Survivor Series. And obviously, if he gets fired and they let him just be a free agent instantly, he could work that show. I don't know. Nobody knows right now as we record when he could possibly work. We don't know the details, the legal details. That being said, would you want to see CM Punk return to WWE? I'll go to Jesse first this time. Jesse, what would you think about it? Sure. Like, would it excite you? Would it excite me? Not nearly as much as two years ago. I, I think there's the realm of possibilities of having a fun program with Cody Rhodes, possibly Roman Reigns. I mean, they're they're going to make money in the short term, but you keep an eye and look what just happened where AEW was kind of torn within. Kind of makes me wonder if like Triple H, the narcissist and the egomaniac that he could be to get himself back on screen a la Vince at the end of 2001 go and say, I'm going to kill my dad, my father-in-law's creation, (laughs) me, and see punk <laughs> well the flip the flip side of what's going on backstage at aew over the last couple of years is wwe does have a much tighter ship backstage uh their roster is very close but also i think they have people back there who command the locker room much better than aew it doesn't mean it's always been that way we've joked on the show before about you know all these people that say oh that would never happen and vince's wwf shit happened there all the time backstage but these days, I think they do run a much tighter ship than AEW does. And so if he 
you know, if he had the punk drama, I think he'd be out pretty quick there. I don't think they'd like kick him out, bring him back, kick him out, bring him back kind of thing. But that said, I would put money on him working a match there. At least one big money match, even if they brought him in for like one Roman Reigns match just to lose to Roman Reigns or something or a a big mania match with Steve Austin. You know, if Steve Austin wants to work another match, that's been Punk's dream match forever. And it would main event WrestleMania one of the nights, almost certainly. I could see that happening. I do not think Punk will ever work there full time again for the reason, the you know, the drama and stuff. Like, I would be shocked if he worked there full time again. But I think it is, I would say, more likely than not that he will work at least one match there. What do you think about that, Justin? I mean, I would love to see just for the chaos factor. I mean, if you want me to start watching WWE somewhat regularly, put CM Punk on their television. I will start watching a little bit more often. It would still surprise me, though, because you have those comments from Seth Rollins months ago. I mean, didn't he literally call him a cancer or saying he did not want him in WWE? He's not welcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have... I think similar sentiments from Kevin Owens right around WrestleMania two years ago when he got to finally main event against uh, Stone Cold, the the guy, as you pointed out, that CM Punk has always wanted to face. And, you know, there's that story going back where Punk was making fun of Kevin Steen for wearing a shirt while wrestling. I do. WWE is probably more about money and would be yes. more willing to take a, a chance, even if it's just a short term chance on let's bring him in, let's make some money. But, you know, my curiosity would honestly lie in those matchups. Like I would want to see Punk versus Rollins, Punk versus Owens. Um, God, it's such a bummer because he really does seem to be a jerk. There's only. Uh, outside of our own, there's really one, only one other uh, wrestling podcast I really listen to, and that is We Watch Wrestling. And one of the hosts of that podcast is he, a former writer for WWE. He had two different stints. And he, he basically said at the time he chalked it up to like, oh, Punk's just upset because of, you know, the, the machine of working in WWE. But he's like, he he was the only certified jerk that he ever worked with. Mm. Um and 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 if he feels that way, there's got to be a lot of other people that worked there or still work there that probably don't want anything to do with him. And they're not exactly hurting for money. They don't need the money that CM Punk would bring in. Um is that something Endeavor would push for that they want CM Punk. The UFC tie, I I think that's a possibility because Dana White brought him in in a lot of pay per view buys for a guy who had never fought professionally, gave him a hefty payday. I do believe there's a one strike you're out type clause here with CM Punk. Obviously, the creative control is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. That he had in AEW, there's no way that's happening. So mm-hmm. if he can play ball under the WWE's rules, which is something he's been anti for a long time, then 
he he can have he can be gainfully employed for the amount of time that he wants to, but again, he just can't do it under his own terms. It has to be under the corporate settings terms. And you know, and I bought into his rhetoric that you know he wanted to be here because he loves the fans and he loves wrestling and he wanted to wrestle again. But fuck, it'd be weird if he goes back to WWE, the place that kind of killed his passion for all of this. Well, he said he said he came to AEW because of the Brody Lee tribute and everything that happened there, and he liked the tight knit locker room. <laughs> right? I mean, it's the it's always going to be one of those big frustration things because there were still the matches we never got with him, and despite all the drama, like he was given all this creative power, he was booking collision, you know, uh, they treated him like a living legend when he got there. It's just like so so many what ifs and even got a second chance after all out last year. And then this still happens, you know, like it's just the temperament that he has. It's just his personal disposition. He could not, handle the stuff happening with the drama and there's a you know to be critical the other side should the bucks have sat down with him and squashed all this yes if that would have happened maybe none of this happens but it was always hanging there the bucks wouldn't meet with punk and then perry's tight with the bucks and so the drama just continues it's too bad that he couldn't just say forget it cj perry (laughs) yeah uh but he couldn't just say forget it and so we are where we are. I think you hit the nail on the head, Justin. WWE cares more about the money, even more so. I think that they would like, I think they're open to it. I think we've heard that before. And I would not be surprised for them to do one big match or a couple of big matches. I don't think we'll see them work in weekly television again. This company brings back everybody. They brought back Warrior. I mean, I can't sit here and say it's not going to happen because some people don't like him backstage. They're bringing him him in for a couple of big shows. It'll happen. So still, still bringing Hogan once a year. Yeah, and and you know they would love nothing more than to rub it into AEW's face. It's another point to to put CM Punk on their television. It's like, oh hey, we broke the horse. You couldn't. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, and that will pop a rating for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Add another four hundred thousand, I'd say four hundred thousand views, I think, with just one person in the initial in the beginning stage. Hey, give Ace Steel a job and he's definitely in. <laughs> Ace Steel's out, by the way. Apparently. Yes. That, that Was he wrongfully broke. terminated, I guess would would be the question. Cause uh, maybe he maybe he'll have a gripe for that, but Yeah. A lot of lawsuits are gonna probably come out of this. There's probably gonna be some legal dealing. Whether it's you know the firing or the contract or the non compete or whatever, if an if a non compete exists, we don't know. It's all speculation at this point. But I thought it was worthy of talking about a, a little about a possible punk return because I've had a lot of people ask me my own thoughts on that. So <laughs> that's twenty twenty three in pro wrestling, guys. Never a shortage of things to talk about. We will be talking about nineteen eighty six WWF very soon. A little sneak peek behind the curtain here for all of you are. Patreon poll just ended for the September edition of Top Rope Nation Classics, and uh, we will be going back in time later this month looking at Saturday night's main event seven, which was taped in September of 86 at the Richfield Coliseum. A show featured Hogan and Paul Orndorff for the WWF title 
Steamboat and Jake Roberts in a snake pit match. The Bulldogs against the Dream Team. We haven't done a Saturday Night's Main event on Classics in a while. Looking forward to that. So that'll be dropping exclusively on Patreon, where last week, not even a week ago, I dropped our latest Top Rope Classics on SummerSlam 98. Mentioned that at the top of the show. That was an awesome show. Jesse Velasquez, the week before that, put out an edition of TRN Unplugged, also an exclusive to our Patreon page. So guys, you're missing out. If you are not a Patreon member, get over there right now. Subscribe. It's five bucks a month to join the entry level tier where you get access to all the bonus shows. You can do a seven day free trial and get full access to all of those shows. So the link is in the broadcast description. Did I hear correctly rumors of a possible another uh, TRN Unplugged coming up? Possibly soon here. Recording tomorrow late morning. Yes. Ah, nice. Rick Skelton was mentioned Rick at the a. beginning of the show. Yeah. Yes. Rick a. Yes. By God, EC- Rick Skelton. <laughs> ECW's Heatwave 98 review. We're going to really dive in depth there. And I have offered him to not air grievances, but bring a wonderful topic to the show of his choosing. So that'll be a nice little mystery plug. So expect that, I'm assuming, probably Sunday. I'm going to have to uh, take about 36 hours to edit it all. I got a crazy schedule coming up. So, And I'm going to make one plug as well. The YouTube channel has been exploding over the last four days. Can we get some more subscribers to our YouTube channel, please? Yes, we are closing in on a thousand. Finally. Now, as you guys know, this pod's been around for seven years, but we did not push the YouTube channel until the last couple of years. Early on, we would do some stuff, but we weren't really pushing the YouTube version. We really are now. It's a lot easier to reach people on YouTube than it is on the podcast feeds for as far as new listeners are concerned. And I have found with my history YouTube channel that once you hit that 1000 subscriber mark, you explode in the algorithm, you get out there in front of people a lot more. And we are very, very close. We are like around 50 subscribers away from a 1000. So if you're listening to this, and you are not subscribed, go to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash top rope nation, or just look up our show name on there and subscribe. It's free. Just subscribe to the channel. We are so close. We would really, really appreciate you putting us over the hump. Thank you, Jesse, for that. I am devastated that more people are interested in history than professional wrestling. <laughs> that just doesn't seem right. Not to take away from not to take away from your history videos, Ryan, because I've seen them. They're fucking excellent. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And you didn't even <laughs> subscribe to that while you're at it. Yes, you need to. And you didn't even tout the video that you took. Yeah, so I took the the full video of Tony Khan explaining to the United Center crowd that he had fired CM Punk. Uh, We were walking around the concourse at Collision right before they went on the air. And all of a sudden we heard Tony talking. So we walked down the tunnel out onto the 100 level. We were like across the arena from where our seats were. And I just started filming and I got the entire explanation from Tony on why he fired him. And I I think it was the first one to hit YouTube because I uploaded it in the building. And it's at like 70,000 views last I looked has gotten us a lot of subs. And so let's keep this momentum rolling for sure. And hopefully some of those new subscribers are watching this show and they like what we do outside of filming Tony Khan at the United Center. All right, let's let let's finish on this. Why the chair? Why did he come out and sit down? It was pretty dramatic, wasn't it? That's weird. That was kind of odd. Tony Khan's an odd duck. 
Ah, uh, yeah. I, I was wondering too when I walked in and I saw him with that chair. I think he was just standing there at first with the chair next to him. And then he sat down and then then he explained the punk stuff. But he ended up getting up and he was kind of combative with the audience. He was kind of yelling at us because he got a lot of booze that night. And overall, I think he delivered it well. It took courage to do what he did in front mm-hmm. of that Chicago crowd. It, it was needed to be done. It was a more expanded version of what you saw on Collision on the broadcast. So if you haven't seen it, it is on our YouTube channel. It was it was lengthier and uh, less polished. Not that Tony comes across super polished on TV, but it, was, uh, it seemed a little more off the cuff. So, all right, guys, I think that does it. It's been a good show. Flew by. Where are we at? About an hour and 12 minutes in. Appreciate everyone joining us for the live feed or after the fact here on YouTube or, of course, on the the uh, podcast feeds where most of our listeners still are. I appreciate you all tuning in every week. Send us your thoughts. TopRopeNation at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group. Link in the st- description here as well. You can find the show on social media at Top Rope Nation. We are on Twitter, Dimension X, whatever it's called now. Um, Instagram. We're on threads. We are on TikTok everywhere. Just look up Top Rope Nation. Find me at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E. You can find Jesse at Jesse C. Velasquez and Justin at Justin Joint. Boys, it's been a blast. Jesse, appreciate talking to you, sir. As always, boys, it was a pleasure. And congratulations to Gunther once again. Tremendous match against Chad Gable. Seal the deal. Yes, indeed. Justin, always fun. I'll get this peanut butter porter over to you here very soon. Sooner the better. Yes. And Jesse, looking forward to that TRN Unplugged over on our Patreon page very soon. Thank you, everybody. This has been episode 309 of Top Rope Nation. See you all next time. Peace. Watch for the mic. Peace.